Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Spill the OT podcast. Today, we are talking to an OTD student, an OT doctoral student, who just finished up her capstone. She was about to present, but with COVID-19, it's going to be handled a little bit differently. So she's presenting online instead. But she was nice enough to share about what she's been working towards, and it's about OT's role in oncology. And more specifically, she took a look at how OTs can support the family dynamics because the stress and the uncertainty starts immediately. It's not just something that accumulates over time, although it does certainly accumulate over time as well, but it can begin immediately upon diagnosis. So she was looking at a gap. She noticed that at the facility she did her level two field work at, they had support groups, but these support groups were limited to in-person only. Very timely, she was working on trying to make the support groups available to people so they could participate in the home so that way if they had family members or young children or other responsibilities they could still participate without having to actually get to the hospital or the satellites and then COVID-19 hit. So I loved hearing about her story. She has such great research and insight to support this idea and she talks about it so eloquently and And her thoughts on mindfulness and integrating yoga and looking at the mind-body connection is just something that us as OTs can be so complimentary with. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and I hope you learn as much as I did by listening. So I actually was in a unique situation when I started graduate school. I went into school thinking that I wanted to get my master's and, you know, do everything I can to get through school. At that time, my dad was really sick. He was diagnosed with stage four esophageal cancer for his second time just the summer before I went into grad school. So at that time, my mindset was do your best, get through school, and you know we'll kind of worry about the aftermath of once you graduate. I just didn't think that it would be my place to defer or to come back a different year. Like I felt like I really needed to just push through at that time. So he ended up passing away within my first month of graduate school which was difficult because I was in a different state um, with new friends, new surroundings. But at that time, I did feel this big sense of closure. I mean, he's been sick for four years. And so me going after my degree was something that was always a plan between us. And so, you know, when he was really sick, he was like, go to school, go to school, please fulfill your dream. That's really why I've been helping you this whole time. Like we're kind of in this together. So during my first month, excuse me, during my first semester of graduate school, I got approached by a professor and she asked me if I'd be interested in reapplying for the doctorate, the OTD program, which for our school, it means it's eight months additional and you do a big capstone project, which I think is becoming more the norm for schools across the country. So I researched more about what the difference was in the doctorate and, you know, maybe what I'd be interested in pursuing within the capstone. And I instantly knew. I knew that it was going to be oncology and I knew that there was a gap in care. I felt like experience, we got a lot of support during the palliative and hospice stages in the home. So, you know, I'm thinking newly diagnosed parents who have young kids how are they going through treatment and not working and their roles are changing, their routines, their habits, you know, how do they talk to their kids? Do they bring them in to the discussion? Are they part of the treatment? So I had all these questions going through. I mean, we were fortunate that my brother and I were out of the house and we were older. And so 
we had that independence, but what happens when your kids are dependent? And so that's was, that was my huge question, kind of ending graduate school and kind of going into my capstone. And so my capstone is further understanding the impact of a new uh, diagnosis and treatment on the whole family. So when a parent's diagnosed and they have young kids. So my capstone, really, I developed a home program that has integrative medicine foundations. So it's yoga, mindfulness, journal activities. And it's really designed to address the psychosocial symptoms that arise from diagnosis and treatment because data shows they they show up right away. It doesn't happen after treatment. And so why not address these symptoms right when they're approaching so we're not getting so far down the road that people are, you know, anxious, depressed, not sleeping, worried about their children. Why not give them resources at the start? And so that's where I'm about two weeks away from finishing my capstone and we're virtually graduating due to the coronavirus. But I mean, it's been a wild, wild journey. It really has. I think that is such a cool and interesting topic that you decided to base your capstone on. Can you tell us a little bit about like what that actually looked like when you started to implement it and like how you got your data? Yeah. So I started attending classes that were made for cancer patients and caregivers. So they're foundations in integrative medicine. And so they're yoga programs, meditation, writing groups acupuncture, massage, exercise, things that are everything in addition to your medical treatment. So complementary, alternative medicine, integrative, they're all synonymous. And they're really becoming more the forefront in medicine in general, the preventative model, you know, working with patients at their level of where they're at now. I mean, that's so OT. And so when I was working in this facility, let me back up. I did my level two placement at this giant hospital in Oregon, Oregon Health and Science University. And when I was doing my level two there, I was starting to dabble into the oncology world because I knew my capstone was going to be more the forefront in a few months. And so when I was there, I saw the integrative programs and I was like, why are we not doing this at home? If parents can't leave the home and they're not attending these groups, why can't we bring these to the home? And so for the first few months, uh, my needs assessment was very in-depth. It was, it consisted of three parts. I created a survey that was sent out amongst the Portland community through social workers because they have the most direct communication with a lot of patients and families. And so that survey was about 15 questions and it was on a Likert scale. So it's basically asking how much anxiety, depression, social isolation, parenting issues are being impacted by symptoms of cancer or secondary things that come up, basically. And so part two was um, an in-depth interview with two participants. One is a former patient and one is a spouse of a patient. And so I wanted to get the different perspectives of being parents. And I used the MOHO O'Cares assessment for that. Um, I ended up doing a modified version, meaning I only chose certain sections to use, which is completely fine by the manual. And through that, I was really able to understand how they specifically had to change their roles, habits, routines, interests to care for or to be the patient and to go through the course of treatment. And then part three was in-depth interviews with all the instructors of the integrated medicine program. So the yoga, meditation, massage writing groups, 
and then the program director. And a component of my project too was investigating the role for OT in integrative medicine. So instead of advocating right off the bat, knowing that we have a place in integrative medicine, especially in the home environment, I wanted to go and see what is our role? Do we have a role? And in fact, we do. And this is where my, I just get so, so excited and grateful at the same time because I truly believe that I found a huge gap. I mean, there's 90% of the people that come to these programs are older adults, retired, um, don't have kids, don't have other responsibilities. And so bringing these programs home, you know, they can get the same benefits. And so that's what I'm doing right now is working with the instructors to transition their classes online or to bring these wonderful, wonderful components home so that they can get the benefits as well. Uh, funny enough, because of the coronavirus, all of my classes have been canceled the last few months. And so we've had to drastically switch online pretty instant. So what I've been doing the last few months is trying to bring these pro programs home and design home programs for based in occupational therapy. But then all these social workers has instantly connected to a Zoom online. So that's been great to see in real time as well. So how do you think the OT's role would be most beneficial as a direct type of service or as a complementary service or a consultative service? What, what are your thoughts on that? So the home program that I designed is actually occupational based. And so it is designed as an occupational therapist would go to the home for three sessions and work through the sessions to integrate and introduce mindfulness, meditation practice, yoga, writing groups, and to incorporate the kids into this whole program. So ideally, say a mom was diagnosed, she has two young kids at home, she is a stay-at-home mom, her husband works full-time, I would come over session one, we'd do an occupational profile, we'd identify her roles, her routines, habits, interests, and anticipate and work through to collaborate to see what might change as she goes through treatment. Because this is new, it's very early stages, very newly diagnosed, but we know that just when you're diagnosed, all these symptoms can start coming up. And so we're seeing, how are you right now? How might you change? And how can we support the in-between? And so the first session after the occupational profile, we go through a body scan. So we identify physical limitations, range of motion, range of motion deficits, maybe surgery sites, and so we're physically identifying on a body where we might have limitations. And then we go through and we do a five-minute meditation introduction. We learn the benefits of meditation and mindfulness, what it means to us, and maybe how we can use it in our daily routines. And then we introduce a set of yoga poses. So these are meant to be very restorative, meant to give empowerment and movement into the daily routine so that they don't have to already think about what to do. A lot of times if you go on YouTube, if you go online, if you just search something, you're not going to really get something catered to you. And this is really designed to up and downgrade. So if you want more engagement, here's how. If you want more ease, here's how. There's sections on that you and your OT will work through on how to adapt this position for you. It says post mastectomy individuals, this might be, you know, your range of motion might be restricted. So let's do a different way of doing that pose. And so it's very catered to the individual and with occupation based. And so these three sessions, in addition to just the yoga and mindfulness, we will be going through their daily routine and really seeing where occupational therapy can help. And so it's 
it's a home program and it's a consultation and it's a support system and it's it's really just a plan for their whole treatment. Everybody is different. Everybody has a different type, stage, treatment plan, doctors. And so it's how can OT support the family and the environment and really with a preventative approach as much as possible. This is incredible. I'm so impressed. And I think you're right. This is a huge area where OT could be supportive. So it sounds like the first three sessions are pretty scheduled out. Then how do you anticipate follow through? Because they've identified what their goals are, what they want to be working on, and then what's the OT's role moving forward? Okay. So ideally, the situation would be the first three sessions are pretty concrete just to get a good foundation. And then depending on the goals of the family and the individual, we can do more. Or we can create goals where they are integrating into these online sessions. So maybe the first three sessions are with me. So it's very intimate and they understand the basics of meditation. And then maybe they log on to the Zoom class twice a week with our cancer survivors that we have an ongoing group twice a week for meditation. We have a week, every week yoga class. And due to the coronavirus, it's all online. So ideally, with them having foundations with a one-on-one physical person for a few sessions, they understand, and then they can maybe do it virtually until they're able to come to the hospital and attend these groups in real time, which is the ideal setting because we see benefit in the, the social connection, the leaving the home to do something for yourself. There's benefit in that. But in this early stages when parents cannot leave, then we try to bridge it for the beginning so that they can slowly move on to attending these groups, either virtually or in person. I absolutely love this. So would you anticipate that the hospital would have two separate support groups? So they'd have a digital support group and then they'd still have their in-person or are you thinking they would record their in-person and have the digital people be incorporated somehow? So for this specific site, so my project it wasn't a generalized needs assessment. So meaning I did research for this specific organization. So for this site, yes, they are trying to do online more regularly. That was not a thing when I started. So me really turning the wheels on this, they're like, oh, okay, I see why parents aren't coming. Okay, I see why we might need this. But then the corona hit. And so then it moved online instantly. And so I think that they are seeing how much patients love this and how resilient they are because a lot of them are older adults a lot have never done zoom and so this is a big change and so having that already in place right now i i see them continuing it and as an occupational therapist telehealth is huge i mean in medicine telehealth is huge especially with this virus and so now that it's got implemented in a in a week it can it's done it's there and so I'd love to see this continue. It kind of depends on the site's resources if this will actually become a a thing. This organization, OHSU, is a large hospital system. And within that, the Knight Cancer Institute is the organization that I've been working under. It's just research, basically. And they have this huge integrated medicine program. And the main site is in Portland. However, they have satellites all over the state. And so I see my future going to these satellites and implementing basic programs that the satellites don't even have because they're smaller. And so I see, I would ideally like the online sessions to be in person um, rather than recorded because if they're just recorded, what is the difference between somebody going on YouTube? I want it to be clinical based. I want it to be 
therapists, social workers, people that know oncology to be putting out this information, not just a YouTube or, um, you know, a workout based video. This is really a therapeutic approach. This is so incredible. So you're graduating soon. What do you think you're going to do moving forward? Is this something you're going to pursue? Sounds like you definitely have thoughts to do it. And like, how would you actually go about introducing yourself to the hospital? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So I, in the beginning, I've always had such a draw to acute care. That's been the setting that I got introduced to occupational therapy to. It's where I did my level two. And so I see myself initially going into acute care and which is a great time right now because hospitals are booming and, you know, thankfully that is a setting that I love. So I think that as a new grad coming into the working world, I think that I can see myself working in a hospital for a good chunk of my beginning years just to get a really good foundation. But if I'm dreaming, which I do, I would love to have a yoga studio that has cancer patients, MS, Parkinson's, conditions where people come to get therapeutic-based yoga and meditation outpatient you know, maybe that's not affiliated with their hospital because the Night Cancer Institute, the Night Cancer Institute patients. So, if on, uh, Compass Oncology or you're at um, a different institution, they might not have these. So, why not create a wellness center or something where an OT and maybe a PT and maybe a social worker, case manager, like comes together and has this very. I mean, yoga is just so restorative. It's something you can do all all ages, all stages. I mean, up and down grading yoga is something that is just so important for everybody. And so I can see myself having more of a clinic, outpatient, private practice thing 10 years down the road. But right off the bat, I think I'm going to really try to go for hospital and get as much experience as I can. But I will always, always have a huge heart for oncology. And that's what I found in this field, that everyone has a story for why they're there. You don't just stumble into working in cancer. You have a reason. I love that you have such an awesome plan and it's alternative. And I think a lot of people feel like if they pursue a degree, they have to stick into the strict cookie cutter boxes that OT is. But I love that you're exploring other options because there's so much that we can do with our degrees that's non-traditional. So I love it. And in the hospital setting, you can certainly work with oncology patients who are receiving acute care there. Yeah. And part of what I was working with before I, you know, the corona changed a lot of my plans, I was working with inpatient massage therapists. So unlike the other instructors that work in outpatient, this individual sees people while they're in the hospital post radiation, post bone marrow transplant. So she has a really unique perspective of what it looks like in the hospital. And although I know what it looks like because I did work as a level two student in oncology and um, in, a, in acute care, it's a perfect, perfect place to introduce these practices. In, inpatient, you know, because people are there for all day, every day. They're with their families. They're tired. They're not sleeping. They're anxious. Why not give them tools to, if they wake up 3 a.m. in the middle of the night and they're anxious and they're having a panic attack, how can they bring their system down? How can we teach patients that they can biohack their system and bring that physiology down? I think that we need to give more power to our patients and start from the very beginning. Why do we wait until they have all these deficits? 
to see that we can give help. I mean, we can, cancer is something that it used to be, oh, your father's brother's sister's cousin has it. Now it's your, you or your family, your immediate family. And so we need to be empowering patients more and giving them the tools to take back their life and a little bit more of control that cancer takes away from them. That's awesome. But I love that you're blending the mental health with the physical aspect, because I think sometimes at least I get a little stuck in traditional thinking. And when I see that, that, you know, all of their goals are written to become modified independent or independent, sometimes I get stuck in that thought and I'm only thinking about their physical body. We really should be blending the mental health because OT looks so different in so many different settings, but we can incorporate them all together. Yeah. I mean, especially in patient, it's challenging because you're limited. You're limited with time, resources. I mean, it is a different, difficult place to get occupational-based therapy. Why are we different than a physical therapist? A, a nurse can get them up to brush their teeth. So why are we different? You know. So there's that huge struggle in advocating for why we stand out and why we're needed in this setting. And one way to that I learned to bring in the mental health component because we know that the mind and body are one. They are not disconnected. They are one aspect. So when your body's affected, your mind is affected. And so when I was working in inpatient, I was challenged. I mean, it's a huge hospital. I was in the neuro ICU most of the time and then oncology. And when I was struggling to bring in a mental health component or psychosocial aspect, like was I addressing those enough? And how do we get an occupation out of that? And so I was working with an individual who had a a total hip replacement several months ago that got severely infected. So she was back in the hospital to, to fix it. So yes, she was in there for something physical. How are you coming back to the hospital after a failed surgery? So if I look at it from that aspect, what did she miss out on right now that she didn't plan to have surgery? She knew she was going to have the total hip. She probably planned her life around that, sure. But did she know that she was going to have this infection, that she was going to be hospitalized for another month? No. So what did she miss out on in that month? Well, she missed out on going on a kayak trip with her husband. So what did we do in therapy? We sat her up in bed, long long seated in bed, and to work on hip motion side to side, we gave her a paddle. And she was kayaking back and forth to get that hip motion that we wanted, but we still brought in something that was meaningful. And she was like, thank you. This is like, this is what I miss. I wanted somebody to see that I was sad. I didn't go on my trip. Not so much that I'm in the hospital for this. I can deal with this, you know? And so it's really just working with that patient. How would you feel if you had to be in the hospital again? You know, just going beyond the diagnosis or beyond the chart is really where you get that special occupational-based approach. That is so cool. And you sound like an incredible therapist. Everybody is going to be so lucky to have you as their OT. Thank you. Hey everybody, I am so genuinely excited to tell you about MedBridge. So MedBridge is a continuing ed site and they have tons of continuing ed courses all available online. You can stream them at your own pace. They also have home exercise plans, which are incredible. You can literally build your own plan with pictures that can perfectly suit whatever client you're working for. It's honestly so awesome. And you get unlimited CEUs. And these CEU courses are just really intriguing and exciting. Like it's 
I've done continuing ed online in the past, and these ones that they select are just very much in line with what I find interesting, and I feel like you might find them interesting as well. So are you struggling with finding the resources for your time for CEUs with almost 2,000 accredited evidence-based streaming courses, live CEU webinars, MedBridge is your all-in-one solution? And actually, if you use my code, it's spill the OT, capital S, capital T, capital OT. So spill the OT, one word, capital S, capital T, capital OT. You can get $175 off of your year-long subscription, which is awesome. I mean, that's like significant amount of money off. So if you are interested, please go check it out. Again, use the code spill the OT, capital S, capital T, capital OT, all one word. All right. I really hope that you go check it out. Enjoy. I'm very excited to actually be working. You know, it's been a very long journey. Been in school forever, which is scary at the same time graduating and moving on. But I think that our schools prepare us so much that you know, we're inching, we're just itching to get out to working. So can I ask you a couple questions about the OTD format? Because I have my master's, so I'm unfamiliar with how the OTD works. Like how long was your actual program? So our program at the University of St. Augustine, we go about two years and a semester. So our school is three semesters a year. We go all year round. So we have classes enter three times a year and they just cycle through. And so I entered in the fall and went two years and one third with my cohort. So my cohort was master's and doctorate. So there was 12 doctorate students and 33 master's students. So we were one cohort doing the exact same things for two years, except for in some research classes, we had different assignments because we were working on individual while they were working on more population. And so we had different assignments, different requirements. But the degrees are the same clinically, if that makes sense. So I'm not getting more clinical knowledge than a master's student. But the difference is emerging practice. And so it's those individuals that want to go further than the clinical and see where OT is lacking, needed, weak, and we're pushing into there. We're expanding. We're seeing where OT is needed, where it's wanted. And so we really address emerging practice. So for me, Oncology is an emerging practice. I have friends that are doing how to transition mothers from hospital to home with breastfeeding. They have um, problems. I have friends doing Parkinson's boxing. And I mean, the, it, we have so different projects that it's incredible to get together and talk about them. So the master's students graduated about eight months prior to us. So they graduated back in August, separately took their exam, and now most of them are working. And then uh, the 12 of us continued on. And the eight months, what it basically looked at, it was right after our level two. So we did our clinicals and we're done with those. And then I went home for about a month and a half and just continued research, continued my paper, started planning for my, when I would attend the site. And the site was the same basically as my level two. And so I prepped what I was going to propose. And at first I proposed a co occupation program with parents and kids that they would come to the hospital for 10 sessions and throughout my needs assessment wasn't going to work. And so I've changed my program hundred percent probably since I started, but that's really where it becomes authentic is in the beginning, my professors were like, we love what you're doing, but you can't just walk in and, and hand someone a program and say, here's a solution. 
you as a clinician, as a practitioner have to be like, this is the gap and this is what I think will help. And then it's a process. And so I had to take several giant steps back and work from the ground up and say, what happens when you get cancer? I might know, I might read it, but I needed to know in the moment from the people I was working around. And so I began my needs assessment in November. And so I was on site from November to February. And then the virus, I came home to work remotely. But ideally, I would be there for 15 weeks on site doing full-time work, basically. A lot of virtual because I'm doing half online and and half um, in person. But it's about, the doctor, it's about 560 hours in addition to your paper. So it's on-site work, 560. And so a lot of it is the hours, but it's almost the least important component of the project because you're not just fulfilling hours, you know, you're changing an organization essentially. So it's really how you look at it. What I think that you're doing is incredible. And thank God you decided to go into your OTD because now you've found this gap that's not just going to help the hospital that you're at, but I mean, this could be used countrywide globally. This is a huge area that, you know, OTs could really help in. Yeah, I'm very excited to see where this could go. And, you know, a lot has changed. The coronavirus has put a lot of stop. I mean, commencement got canceled, research proposals got canceled. But, you know, for all the students out there starting OT school in the middle, just graduating, thinking about going, go. I mean, I have grown so much in the last year, two years. I'm continuing to grow. I have been challenged more than I've ever thought. And, I mean, if I can, go through school, you know, losing my dad the first year. I mean, you truly find your place in school. It's bigger than undergrad. You really find your people and going to towards something that is so much for yourself. I mean, it is so it'll my home program and my whole paper will be online through Mm -hmm. SOAR, which is like our online open access repository. So it's going to be free and um, all the student stuff is on there, which is really cool. That's awesome. So can I include your links when you get it into our show notes so that people can access it? Okay. Is there anything else that you want to include for anybody who's like thinking about becoming a student or specific to oncology? I guess I would just say for anybody that is learning about OT or that is in OT is to really just see how our feelings and emotions and thoughts are daily how does that translate to how we show up in occupation? And if we are always asking ourselves that question, then you're an OT, like you have that heart. And so it's all about taking that time, learning about that person and realizing that we're all in this crazy life together and that nobody knows the answer. It's really a partnership. And that's what I love so much about OT is that it's really a collaboration between me and you. That's awesome. You are just... You're just very mature and you have just such thoughtful ideas. And honestly, the world's just lucky to have you. Well, thank you very much. And I I truly love what you're doing too. And just spreading OT around. It's wonderful. Thanks. So it sounds like you have some really awesome and exciting thoughts about OT. And I think people would be lucky to be able to follow along on your journey. Do you have any ways that people can find you? I did just start an Instagram just to separate my personal and my professional goals. Um, so it's OT underscore Yogi with two eyes. 
And it's really just about my capstone and how I'm incorporating yoga into daily routines and how to up and downgrade for different ailments. And so I'd love to follow me along and just ask me any questions. Awesome. So I hope people will follow you because you're going to do big things. It's exciting. Thank you both so much. It was awesome to be able to talk with you today. Thank you. Okay, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to come on the podcast, as always, please email me at spilltheot at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram, spill underscore the underscore OT. Make sure you check out my new YouTube channel. It's new, but hey, I'm going to be attempting to put some content over there. Just type in spill the OT. And finally, if you like this podcast, please rate and review it on iTunes and share with a friend. Okay, have a great week. Bye.